Welcome to Queen of the Ring, a podcast that wants to talk to you about wrestling. My name is Alexa. to say quickly that this episode does contain some content that needs warning. So trigger warning for sexual assault. Um, This episode goes in many different directions and at the end it gets a little bit harrowing and I just wanted to let people know up front and then when that time comes I will warn you right before I start talking about that as well. Thank you. This week, I want to talk about a very short-lived faction within the WWF's Attitude Era, PMS, also known as the Pretty Mean Sisters. (laughs) As I worked on a lot of the episodes I'm working for for the next season, it's taking me a lot longer than I really thought that it would, and, you know, being a person is kind of hard and makes things go slower sometimes when you're feeling slower yourself, and... I wanted to put out a mini episode and inspiration from my friend Claire. Hi, Claire. <laughs> uh, because she was asking for some more information on the Pretty Mean Sisters, and I thought that I would give it. Made up of Jacqueline Moore and Terry Reynolds, and for a short time Ryan Shamrock, the Pretty Mean Sisters were made out of the WWE's Attitude Era and ex- exemplified it in so many different ways. They were the first ever women's stable in the WWF, which is nothing to fucking scoff at. Manipulating men with their feminine wiles, interfering in men's matches, and being overall sexy ruckus starters. They were only together for two years, but a gnarly two years it was. In 1998, Jacqueline Moore was put with Mark Miro as his lover in the storyline after his real-life split with his wife Sable. Terry Reynolds, having a very similar situation, had recently split from her real-life husband, Goldust, also known as Dustin Rhodes, and in a moment of pure feminine urge, (laughs) sorry about that, Terry and Jacqueline decided to band together by going into the ring while Goldust and Mark Miro were feuding and punched them both in the nuts while they were wrestling each other. Super fun. That inspired the WWF writer Vince Russo, who is famously known for some of the more trashy TV storylines, to add to his trash canon. (laughs) You get it? And at this time, in the mid-90s to the early 2000s, The WWF was in the Attitude Era. They were in a ratings competition with World Championship Wrestling, WCW, which I have talked about in other episodes. And as WCW started leaning into the more salacious content that that era would be known for, the WWE realized that they better fucking follow suit or continue down this rated G road and to subsequent fall off the cliff of ratings. The WWF began operating in inspirations of shows like Jerry Springer, which was honestly one of my favorite shows when I was young. I know, very complex. And sexualizing women wrestlers was a very easy way to make money, they realized, because there's a lot of buzz around the sexy-ass fighting ladies in the ring. 
not that big of a surprise. And from this inspiration, Vince Russo found a lot of content to be putting out at this time. He was like the content creator of the trash TV storylines. So he is the creator behind the Pretty Mean Sisters, who were majority of the time made up of Jacqueline and Terry Reynolds. Not a very big fan of the idea. Terry Reynolds apparently really fought Vince Russo on the storyline and really didn't want it to happen at all, but eventually gave in. So they had like truly some of the most insane fucking storylines in the world. And I talked about some of it during my Jacqueline episode, but I just wanted to reiterate and get into a little bit more detail because it is trashy. Their storylines were sponsored by Vince Russo, as I said, Um, And it had his writing style all over it. And, you know, first things first, somebody's having a baby. (laughs) Terry tells wrestler Val Venus in the storyline, of course, that she is pregnant with his baby. And he full on fucking dumps her when she tells him this. He's a real dick in real life, too, and is a big transphobe. So no thank you, Val. But after the betrayal, she and Jackie, Jacqueline Moore, team up with D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry. And in the following months, while ringside for a match, Terry jumps up on the apron, screaming at the ref in support of D'Lo and Mark. And in that, D'Lo accidentally knocks her off the apron. And in the storyline, this gives her a miscarriage. And I don't know why WWF loved miscarriage content so much. I feel like there could be a full cultural studies paper written on the fucking interest of that i do not get it i guess it's just the most salacious and the most heartbreaking i don't know why they always used it though so this left terry screaming that it was delo's fault for that that she lost the baby at all and out of shame and guilt delo became the first and not only servant to pms's jacqueline and terry for a whole month he continued as their servant until Dun dun dun. We find out from a ringside doctor that Terry had been lying about the pregnancy all along. <gasps> and people were not very stoked on this storyline, by the way. Like, people were watching this and they were like, why are you guys doing this? <laughs> so, this left PMS to taunt and fuck with D'Lo Brown for a number of weeks afterwards and led to them feuding with his then manager, the lovely and amazing Ivory. And that whole th- storyline led up to the first four-way match for the women's division in the WWF. So these horrible storylines did lead to a certain amount of success for women wrestlers. It's just an incredibly complicated complex thing two simultaneous truths that are very hard to reconcile in one match Jacqueline is going up against Tori and when Jackie looks like she's about to lose Terry runs in the ring in these seven inch high heels and tiny ass dress and she starts pulling the hair of Tori and while the bell is rang for a disqualification Terry just continues to stand in the ring as Jackie beats up Tori and Terry is just trying to light this long ass cigar the whole time in the back. It is so funny to see. It's the craziest visual. Okay, I told you that Dilo was not their only servant. <sighs> Jesus. 
The wrestler Sean Stasiak went by the ring name Meat, and he was aptly named so because PMS, which now consisted of another member, Ryan Shamrock, said that all he was good for was, you know, sex, and he was just a piece of meat. (laughs) And once again, I talked about this storyline in my Jacqueline episode, but I'm just going to get into a little bit more detail. And like the story time at the time was that the three women would just use him for his body, quote unquote, and they would just spend so much time in the bedroom that he would just be completely useless in the ring because he would be like exhausted from like his sexcapades with them. (laughs) And then Terry would just continue to berate him for how badly he did in the ring. Like the storylines are insane. And I guess that after Terry forced Meat to kiss her own feet, (laughs) Jacqueline decided that she was just about done with PMS and the whole thing and the faction split apart. When asked how she felt about the sexualization and objectification that wrestling leaned into in the Attitude Era, Jacqueline says kind of like blasé, sex sells, but mentions that being put into PMS completely thwarted her potential and... The writers didn't give her any opportunity to show her unbelievable ability in the ring. And I have an episode of Jacqueline one more time for anyone who wants to hear more. But to talk about the other member, Terry Reynolds has come under some fire, at least in my mind, for saying some kind of abhorrent shit on a recent episode of the Vice TV show Dark Side of the Ring. This episode was about the plane ride from hell. And I just wanted to say one more time... A quick content warning for sexual assault. If you need to stop listening, please do and do whatever you need to to protect yourself. I know it's kind of hard for me to talk about also, um, but I, I think it's worth mentioning. In this episode, many different people are discussing this event that happened on a chartered plane that Vince McMahon had gotten for a trip that much of the talent had taken to Europe for on tour. Um, So they were flying back from the UK from an insanely named pay-per-view, Insurrection, (laughs) spelt with an X, no thank you. A flight attendant, Heidi Boyle, who was on the plane that day, describes multiple fucking harrowing stories. The plane ride started just terribly because it had been stalled for about two hours while everybody on Board, like just was going through carts and carts of alcohol. Heidi says that never before or after this had she ever gone through three carts of alcohol on a plane, but these men were just like going insane. And unfortunately, a lot of the guys talk about how they were doing other things. They were doing drugs as well, like GHB, Halcyon, Vicodin, and more that would just be intensifying this alcohol so much. Like, side note, kind of, but literally these fucking men talk about how they would H-bomb each other, aka putting Halcyon in someone's drink. Halcyon is like an incredibly intense sleeping pill, I'm pretty sure. Um, And Rob Van Dam, I think, I'm sorry, it might not have been him, it might have been someone else, completely admits that these men would also do this to local women who would hang out with them after the shows while they assaulted them. It's just the most horrifying and terrible thing. And what happened next is just the most abhorrent behavior for the entirety of the plane ride to the United States. It was just debauchery for 
up to eight hours. Heidi talks about, very sadly, that the very famous WWE superstar Ric Flair sexually assaulted her on the plane. He was coming towards her naked with only his very famous robe on, and he cornered her and forced her to touch his penis. And she tells her own story in the show, and if you would like to hear it from her own words, I think it is more powerful to hear her talk about it because she's just a real person, and she's just talking about something that happened to her. And while this woman is being genuinely so fucking brave talking about something horrific that she experienced, there are some downright fucking awful reactions from the other wrestlers interviewed. Like, specifically, Tommy Dreamer, for one, straight up says he doesn't believe her and goes on really stupid fucking reasoning about how everybody loves when Rick pulls his dick out and swings it around like like she should love it too or something. It's just the most abhorrent shit ever. Rob Van Dam is specifically one of the only people to say that he did see it happen and that he felt bad for doing nothing. And Heidi says that the only person who intervened at all um, was Goldust. He was on the PA system after like hoarding the microphone from them and singing a really weird song in the middle of the night. I guess he screamed at Rick to stop. And I guess that Rick did, I guess, in that moment. And Scott Hall also violated the same attendant by ripping her shirt open. And uh, in response to that, Scott Hall says that he thinks he was H-bombed that night, what I had spoken about before. And there were like no fucking repercussions. And Vince McMahon himself was on this flight. He was there the whole time while all of this happened. Heidi was told by the company that she worked for that she legally could not do anything because they worked for a private flight attendant thing and a private flights company i don't know and she but she ended up suing wwe in 2004 for the assault and got a settlement from them scott hall was fired and rick flair never got any punishments or dealt with any ramifications at all for his actions um and other people did for fights and stuff like that it happened but jim ross the ring announcer specifically says that Rick was a quote-unquote made man and that he could get away with anything, basically. To get back to Terry, I had to set the groundwork to talk about this. But she, on the same note, discusses how the night before this had happened, um, at the pay-per-view, Insurrection, Brock Lesnar, a still very famous WWE superstar and has been a combat fighter in other venues of sport, um, called her into a room and exposed himself to her. And she said that she was shocked and just walked out. And she says that her ex-husband, Dustin Goldust, was in the room with him when it happened and afterwards ran after her and approached her to make sure that she wouldn't quote-unquote sell it. And she says this a lot during her interview, that she would never sell it, aka never say anything about it, never bring up what happened or like stand up for herself in that specific way. And I, I don't understand that specifically, but she's very interested in that. And that's awful. Like for this huge man to call you into a room and do something like that 
in your place of work and for someone so close to you, like your ex-fucking husband, to tell you it really isn't a big deal and the best is for you to just be quiet about it. Like, that's terrible. But Terry does this thing that many women do, and men, of course, when they discuss their own trauma as a a way to diminish another person's. She specifically says she doesn't understand why this woman would want to talk about her story of sexual assault as she was seeking legal justice. Because Terry says that if she took to court all of the people that have done something like that to her, she would be in court for the rest of her life. Like, Terry, that's really fucking sad. That's really sad. And just because you've experienced sexual assault to a degree that seems pretty horrific, it it doesn't mean that others have to do the same thing that you do when they're sexually assaulted. Others have a right to discuss their experiences or do what they need to do to help themselves in their own recovery. Like she specifically talks about how lucky she felt that she was able to sit with Vince McMahon and his wife and the higher ups in the WWE while all of this was happening and to stay away from the debauchery of the back of the plane. And she like admits that it's a dangerous place for anyone to be there. And she knows it's especially dangerous for other women. But internalized misogyny is fucking bitch. It's hard to t- it's hard to shake off. I know this episode has gone kind of all over the place. But I guess I just want to say that trying to out-trauma someone else is like contributing to a behavior that is systemic, like sexual assault and misogyny and many other things as well. Two existing truths, I guess, is the theme of this episode. I, you know, I wanted to talk about it all because when I watched the episode of Dark Side of the Ring, I left with a broken heart and I was just so fucking bummed. And I guess I wanted to put that on other people too. (laughs) No, I don't. I just wanted to discuss the complexities of internalized misogyny misogyny in sports and just how fucked up shit can be sometimes i hope none of this comes off as too harsh or anything i i understand the places that internalized misogyny takes you and i understand the places that sexual assault takes you and they're pretty dark And this wasn't the exact tone I wanted to establish for this. I really just wanted to talk about PMS. And it took me into a place of the most recent thoughts I've had about Terry. And, you know, people are really complex. And I guess that's where I'll end it. you happen to make it this far i want to say thank you so much for listening queen of the ring was written by me alexa pruitt the music is by Kreider dane of helter skelter music productions if you liked what you hear join me next week <laughs>